even before God wants our information, he wants to speak to us. So, um, so this, uh, this happens sometimes when the church gathers, God speaks. And you never know who God's going to speak to. I kind of like it when it's me, personally. But uh, I felt like the Lord spoke to me this morning a couple of things um, for us as a congregation, but specifically for a person. So I just, let me just tell you how it happened. I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping up here. And in my mind, as my eyes are closed, this will just show you where I go at times, I saw a picture of a little balsa wood uh, plane. How many of you remember the little balsa wood planes? You wind them up, they've got a rubber band, and okay? I loved those things. Closest I ever came to being a pilot right there. I saw that picture. I saw the, the balsa, um, the plane, and I saw the, the propeller being wound by a finger, and I saw the rubber band getting tighter and tighter and tighter. You know, the worst thing as an eight-year-old is when you go one round too far and the thing snaps, you know, it hurts your hand. I saw it and there was no fear. I said, Lord, what in the world? Are you trying to say something? And just tell you how it happened. I felt like the Lord said, this, this is a word for someone here. And I said, who is it? And God didn't tell me. He just told me where they were sitting. <laughs> okay, I'm just putting it out as I got it. So, um, Julie, if you could move. It's, it turns out completely in the dark is the famous Cameron Frank. Yeah, Cameron probably can't stand up because he just had surgery, right? Um, so Cameron, I'm just going to give it out to you as I heard it. Um, I didn't know it was you back there. And I, when I went out, I saw that it was you. And, um, I felt like the Lord showed me through that picture for you that he's, um, he's winding you up in preparation to let you go. And you need not fear that he will wind you too tight. There's no need for fear in your life that somehow the, the launch will be too late or that, the, um, that the, the calling of God will somehow be broken in you. It's a very clear, to me, a very clear comfort and encouragement to you, Cameron, that God has you right in his hand, and you are prepared for great heights, uh, much more than a balsa wood plane, but the Lord's tenderly caring for you and winding you up like that, and you won't break. Does that, does that make any sense to you? Is that, tell me that makes you feel good or makes you feel mad or, okay. Okay, he's in the dark, but I think he gave me a thumbs up. Okay, so let's, uh, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for Cameron. Thank you for the whole Frank family. I just, my sense is the Holy Spirit's uh, moving mightily in their family, even as the enemy uh, tries to take them out one by one with physical injury. I just think the Lord's uh, healing touches upon you all. So we pray for them and we pray especially for Cameron, Lord, that he would be able to identify with this word of preparation, that you would continue to... Uh, finely tune the strings of his heart to hear your word and to do your will. I ask for faith and for patience. And um, I thank you, God, that you know exactly which direction you're going to launch him with just the right wind at just the right time. We bless him with God's very best in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Cameron, for letting me practice on you. When we get words like that, what we do is we test them. And I tested that with Jacqueline. She said, I think that's right. Now Cameron has the right to come up to me afterwards and say, that's completely wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. Because 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 teaches us how to use prophetic gifts. And so we have some instruction in how to do that. Okay. Um, one other thing. Uh, as I was praying early this morning, I just was going through my daily reading of the Bible. And it, and, uh, it, it happened that the psalm for me this morning in my plan was Psalm 29. 
And it happens to be one of my more favorite uh, psalms. The very end of Psalm 29, Psalm 29, 11, it says this, the Lord gives strength to his people and he blesses his people with peace. And I felt like this morning there, there would be some here who had a very specific need this morning for the strength of God. That is, you have to do something you don't think you can do. I mean, God's put it on you and you have to make a choice and you don't feel God's given you the wherewithal to do it. So God's giving you strength this morning and then he'll bless you with peace, which means for some in the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of what you seriously feel, you know, the anxiety of the world coming upon you, God is granting you his peace. And I'll remind you that the peace of God is not um, a substance or a feeling. The peace of God is a person. Jesus said, I'm the Prince of Peace. So God's giving to you today his strength to do what you thought you couldn't do and his peace in the midst of that difficulty. So if that's you, if you sense that that connects with you, you don't have to stand up. Let's just close our eyes. Just put your hand on your heart and uh, as a sign of receiving that and I'll, I'll pray for us. God, I thank you for the encouragement um, from your word, your eternal word that never returns void. That Lord, what you're doing for each and every one of us called by your name, is giving us your strength, even in the midst of difficult choices and obedience that seems counterintuitive, and your peace. And so, God, I ask that you release it now according to your promise to these, your servants, your children, your loved ones. God, grant to us your strength and your peace this day. And Lord, on on our behalf, I say we receive now your strength and your peace to walk out our callings, to live in our true identities, and to walk with the confidence and the joy of people that belong to the King. And we pray in the King's name. Amen. Okay. Does anyone feel the least bit encouraged? Okay, good. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. All right. Good. Then now you can take out your fancy contact card. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Hold this up just so I know you all have it. Find yourself a pen or if you have to, bite your finger and let the, you know, just write in your blood, whatever you want to do. Um, Just trying to make it lighten it up a little bit. Um, We uh, have gotten a new management uh, piece of management software here at the church. It's called Fellowship One. And there is a main purpose for us getting this new fellow, uh, this new management system. And that is so that we can communicate one, one to another better and so we can care for one another better. We want to communicate better than we have in the past, one with another, and we want to care for one another better than we have in the past. And it's just a tool, you know, but it's a tool that if used by God's people in, in, in a good way, we can, we can really care for people well. So we would ask you, we're going to have some contact information music right now and I'd ask you to take your pen and begin to give us your contact information. You may have given us your information 4,000 times in the past. We're going to ask for it again. We want to make sure that our database is up to, up to um, date, is accurate. We want to be able to give you timely information. So I ask you to fill out your information. Um, <clears throat> do it for your household. We're looking for the adults on the front children on the back your household information do you like that give a little more music there right
Thank you. Thank you very much for your willingness to help us by giving us that information. We'll, we'll do that again next week. It'll, we'll have that much fun again, maybe different music next week. Um, and then um, just uh, another additional thing there. If you've got children who are in childcare, we'll have uh, uh, computer kiosks in about two weeks that you'll actually be able to check your children in with this information in this management system. So as you just check them in, that will generate a little name tag, all the information, so we can be completely certain that uh, children dropped off by parents are picked up by their very parents. Safety is a huge issue for us. And so all of this information helps us to really do a good job of caring for the flock of God that he's put under our care. Okay. All right. Thank you. Let's uh, pray again and we'll uh, dive into the message. Lord, we thank you that uh, you love us. And Lord, for those who uh, walked in here this morning for the first time ever in this church, or maybe the first time in a long time in any church, I ask God that you give to them your welcome as we give to them our welcome. That they would know your presence here. They would be uh, feel your love and your warmth in the spirit, but Lord, naturally through us as well. And we ask that as we look to the word now, that you give us instruction, that you guide us and lead us. Lord, bring us the challenge of obedience and the faith to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I've been in a series, I've just got two left, uh, called Ancient Pathways. And I've been describing that series as uh, from Jeremiah chapter 6, where Jeremiah says, you know, look for the ancient paths. Stand at the crossroads. Look, ask, and see the way, and I'll give you rest for your souls. There are ancient ways of living that actually provide for us a path to grace and to rest. So in the context of Jesus, we're talking about what did Jesus' life look like between the miracles? We love the miracles. But what was Jesus' life like between the miracles? Not just the healings and the salvations and the demons flying, but when he was walking and when he was resting and when he was waking up and when he was eating, what was the lifestyle of Jesus like between the high points? What were the faithful points of his life? And this morning I want to talk about the the lifestyle of Jesus that was first and foremost a generous lifestyle, a generous lifestyle. So yeah, I'm going to talk about giving this morning. I've done lots of messages on giving where I've talked about stewardship of spiritual gifts, of emotional resources, of time. This morning, I'm just going to be blunt. We're talking about money. Okay? This morning, we're talking about money. We're talking about a lifestyle of generosity with what God has given us quite physically. Quite physically. And I'll tell you right off the bat, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to tell you how much to give this morning. Okay? You're either really relieved or you're bummed out. I'm not going to do that. That's between you and God, and we'll get to that. But what I am going to tell you this morning is when it comes to the question between you and God, God, should I give and when? Here's the answer from God. Yes and now. All right? You want to just practice the response? Ready? Yes and now. That's pretty much the answer to every question this morning. Yes and now. Every pure gift that we receive personally, whether it's a financial gift or 
a gift of relationship or a, a gift of substance or a gift of someone's time. Every pure gift that we personally receive stems from the heart of God. It comes from the heart of God. It has its origin in the heart of God. God has given to us life. God's given to us breath, strength, soul, you know, mind, will, and emotion that we have. Those are gifts from God. Believe it or not, those are gifts. And spirit, an an ability to connect with God, that's gift in and of itself. Our very breath, purpose in life. Provision for fulfilling that purpose. Relationships, redemption, everything that's good and pure that's been given to us, it comes from the heart of God. But I just think as, as an overall perspective, it's a way to look at the world and be a little happier. God, everything that's good out there, every sunshiny day, every cup of coffee in the morning, every donut that Robbie sells and asks you for $10 for the youth in, in return, every moment that you treasure with your family and your loved ones, it's a gift from God. It literally comes from the heart of God. What we're talking about when we talk about giving is not um, God taking back what he's given, but us being stewards of what we have. Stewardship is the key when it comes to giving. It's not about poverty. It's not about the amount. It's about stewardship. Once we recognize that everything we have comes from God, giving all of a sudden becomes cooperation with the king. So Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do I have that up there? The earth is the Lord's and the, the, down the, are you messing with me? You know, we give those people a lot of power back there, don't we? That's why I bring donuts to Mark every, I will from now on. Okay. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Statement of fact. Believer, unbeliever, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It belongs to God. He's so kind. He lets us have access to an awful lot of it. In the in the First Chronicles 29, when uh, David was praying for all this amazing gift, this incredible generosity of the people of God, building a place for God to be worshipped and adored, he says this, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Because the people were just pouring out their wealth for the sake of the king. Everything comes from you, and we've given you only what comes from your hand. So everything that we have It comes from God. Every good gift comes from God. Everything we have belongs to God. And our giving is a response to God's gift. That's why it's so crucial that when we talk about giving, we understand that we're in the realm of grace and not in the realm of law. So important that we recognize we're in the realm of grace and not in the realm of law. Because every our giving is a response to God's generosity to us. We didn't earn the redemption of Jesus on the cross. He gave it freely. And when we give him our lives and our tithes and our offerings and our spiritual gifts and the sacrifice of our very, you know, spiritual selves, we're giving not out of guilt, but by grace. Can you feel? Thank you for the amen. Grace is ours. And so our generosity is like our love. First John, it says we love because anybody? Thank you. (laughs) We love because he first loved us. And so when it comes to giving, we give 
financially and in all other ways because he first gave to us. God the Father is the most generous being ever known. Jesus himself, the most generous man. He loved us so we can love. He gave to us so we can give. Philippians chapter 2. I don't think I have this in the scripture. Of course I do. There it is right there. Philippians chapter 2. This describes the generosity of Jesus. And Paul actually says, this is, this is what your life, this is what your mindset should look like, just like Jesus. So let, let me read this. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, there's divinity, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, he was fully God, but he didn't say, I'm going to pull the God thing when I get to earth. He didn't consider that something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Some translations say he emptied himself. Greek word is kenosis. It just means to let everything that's filled pour out. It's an emptying of all that was given. By taking the very nature of a servant, the generosity of God was Jesus taking the form of a man. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. So not only did he give away the advantage of his divinity on earth, but he was actually formed in the image of a man. He put himself under the restrictions of humanity. I mean, he gave away kingship when he took on human flesh. And he went a step further. He could have been hailed as king when he was born, but no, he humbled himself and walked a life of obedience, perfect obedience. He's humbled himself so far all the way to the point of death. And not just death in some, you know, uh, some uh, easy way, but death on a cross. It is the ultimate generosity of God shown as a, in a, as a picture in Jesus. And what God did as a result, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the, that's the generosity of God. It's the lifestyle of Jesus. Just walking around, I mean, manifesting selflessness and giving day after day, after day. Even when Jesus got to heaven, he didn't stop giving. Praise God. I mean, we're so fortunate that even after Jesus had, you know, taken on flesh, had lived perfectly, had forgiven those who didn't deserve it, had died on the cross, resurrected, ascended into heaven, you know, Jesus could have said, man, I'm glad that's done. But instead he said, no, when I go to heaven, wait. Because I'm going to keep on giving. And the manifestation of the generosity of God is the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. It's the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. You walk around with the gift of God in you. I mean, it's only by the Holy Spirit that we can say Jesus is Lord. So if you have claimed Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit's in you. Otherwise, you couldn't do it. You've got the gift of God's presence. I talk a lot about that. It's one of my themes, you know, that the presence of God is within you. And everywhere you go, he goes. 
And you get to give it away. It's not just the presence of God that you give away. It's God's tangible gifts to you that by the Spirit you get to disperse. And so finally, after all that, we get to our main verse for today. One very simple verse from Luke 6.38. And it just says this. Give and it will be given to you. It's just the straight words of Jesus. Give with a promise and it will be given to you. So if you're asking the question, should I give and when? The answer is yes and now. Thank you, Ron. I'm going to maybe start a chant later on. Start the wave with you if you want. You can't wave both ways though. It messes everybody up. So let's read the context of Luke 6.38. Okay? Because sometimes we jump straight to 6.38. We camp there and we say, look, give and it'll be given to you. Why should you give? So you can get. Like, oh goody. It's not the principle that Jesus gives. There is a principle of receiving when we give. But the purpose of giving is not to receive. The purpose of giving is to exemplify the upside down nature of the kingdom of God. It's countercultural to give away. What is very cultural is to get and keep and store and glory in. But Jesus always does it the other way. So just listen here to the context of uh, Luke 6.38. I'll start in Luke 6.27. Jesus is speaking. He says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Well, that's easy enough. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. You, you know what that means in the, in the context? If someone takes your outer garment, give them your inner garment. If, it, sorry about the image there. But, I mean, that's what he's saying. If someone takes your outer garment, you know, the thing that keeps you warm, that sustains you, most people in this day might have one or two at the most. Just go ahead and give them the next thing too. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give, okay, go. give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. I mean, do you hear the radical, upside-down nature of the lifestyle 
that Jesus exemplified on earth and calls us to as his followers. Finally, verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Just in case that wasn't enough for you, he goes on. Oh, by the way, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The image here is the way I measure brown sugar for chocolate chip cookies. Okay? It says three-fourths of a cup, but I get about a cup and a half in there. Because I press it down, shake it together, right? Sorry. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. You give and God will give you so much you can't store it in your little container. It's going to spill out onto your lap. God's provision for you will be evident in your life. It's going to be all over you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And so it's with that context that Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. Should I give? Yes. When should I give? Now. Why? Because it's the command of Jesus. It's the way you live out by the gift of the Holy Spirit, the countercultural, humbly, humble love of the kingdom. It's basically imitating Jesus. Every time we give, whether it's a penny, a dime, or five million dollars, we are giving in imitation of Jesus. Give and it will be given to you. The message translation says it like this. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. That's, that's a great phrase. Generosity begets generosity. It's so biblical. From the beginning of time, God was giving. Through Jesus, God was giving. By the Holy Spirit, God is giving. And that generosity, God to us, begets, gives birth to, shows itself in the way we give to others. Yes, our time. Yes, our talents. But also our treasure, our money. What God's placed in our hands, we give away. In that context, in the Beatitudes in Luke chapter 6, you notice that all of these instructions are counterintuitive, right? Love your enemies. It doesn't make sense. Do good to those who curse you. Bless them. Pray for them. Someone takes something from you, don't try to get it back. In fact, give them more. That would really mess up the world if we lived like that. You know that? That would really mess up the world. Um, I don't have time to go into this, but it's that... Um, somebody help me with Les Mis. Is it Les Mis? It's the thief who takes the stuff and the priest comes and, you know, rather than bust the guy, he says, no, take more. And it changes that man's life. The generosity of Jesus changes people's lives. The ones who give, the ones who receive, because the ones who receive will then give and give and give and give. All of these instructions in Luke 6 are done only by faith and they're utterly dependent upon God. You cannot love your neighbor with your own flesh. It's just not natural. It's supernatural. You can't bless those who curse you. It doesn't feel and seem like a good idea. It's counterintuitive. It's supernatural. It's the gift of God. Jesus says, do them. So, 
when it comes to giving? The answer is yes and now. You might wonder why. Why should I give? I'd say obedience, an opportunity for blessing, the glory of God, the sake of the world. That's why. But there's no question about yes and now. You might wonder how. How should I give? 2 Corinthians 9, 17, it says cheerfully, with a smile on your face, wholeheartedly, your time, your talents, your money, that's how you give. There might be a question for you about how. That, you know, you'll work that out. But if the question is if, the answer is yes. And if the question is when, the answer is now. You might wonder where. Where should I give? I think Malachi chapter 3 says you should give to the storehouse. I think that's New Testament equivalent to the church. To the place you're fed spiritually. To this place, if this is the place that God has planted you, but not just here, also to the poor, also to those who have need right around you, to the ones that God brings into your, uh, into your um, eyesight. And Jesus says, give to anyone who asks from you, begs is the word. If they have need, desperate need, and you have the wherewithal, Jesus says, give. So yes to the church, absolutely. It's the storehouse. It's a place where God blesses you and feeds you so you can be sent into the world to bless and feed the world, but also to the poor. You know, we have a mission as a church, right? We talk about it as encountering the love and the power of God and giving it away to the world, okay? Steve over here, my good friend, doesn't like that. He says, that's too... Give me something. Give me something more tangible. I'll give you something more tangible this morning. Ezekiel 34 Jesus is the good shepherd and he says, here's what I'll do when I shepherd my people. I'll seek the lost. I'll bring back the strays. I'll bind up the broken and I'll heal the, I'll strengthen the weak. Okay, that's our mission. Lost people in the world without Jesus going to hell. That's our mission. Stray people who have gone away from the Lord, who are living in, you know, pigsties like the prodigal. We get to go right into the muck and pull them out. That's why you guys work where you work. That's why you've been sent where you've been sent. Because there are strays where you've been sent. And they're living in muck and you get to pull them out. You get to bring them back. There are wounded people, broken people. There are weak people that need to be strengthened and discipled. There's the mission. There's the mission of the church. There's our calling. That, that's, that's, that's why we give. It, it takes resources. It takes spiritual gifts. It takes everybody saying yes and now so that the lost will be found. So that the lost will come into the church? No. So the lost will come into the kingdom. If the lost never come into this church, do we really care? No. If the lost find the, the flock of God, that's what we care about. Start a church at your workplace. Sorry, I'm getting excited. You, you want to you preach to the lost? Preach to the lost in your workplace. You can invite them to church if you, if you want to, but if you don't want to, just have a church there. Remember I told you a couple months ago, if you are too busy being the church, you don't have to come to church. I mean it. I mean, we have a mission out there in the world. That's the where. 
That's the that's the the place that we give. Maybe you wonder how much. Everyone's waiting for the magical number. Here's what the Bible tells us. 2 Corinthians 9. Give what you determined in your heart to give and do it cheerfully and not grudgingly. That is the New Testament principle for giving. Give what you determine in your heart, the place where you connect with God, and do it cheerfully and not grudgingly. I'm not going to tell you any more than that. What I am going to do is point you to the place in your heart where Jesus the King reigns. And I'd like to tell you, if you want to know how much to give, ask the King. I'm not the King. I'm an under-shepherd. Go ask the King. Lord Jesus, how much should I give to the church this next year? Lord Jesus, what should my lifestyle look like this next year? Lord Jesus, what should I do for the poor in this city? in this nation, around the world. Lord Jesus, what should I do with the the, the resources that I have, with my place, with my gifts, with my time, with my talents? The point is not how much you give. Remember Luke 21? Jesus sees the, the widow walking up at the time of giving in the church and she puts a little mite, you know, it's like five cents, And Jesus says, she gave the most. Because Jesus was clearly not concerned with the amount of money given, but with the heart that gave it. Man, we got to get past how much and start letting God look at the heart and say, how about everything? How about everything? God, take what you want. Take what you want. My eye is single. My heart is wholehearted. Lord, it it, it all belongs to you. And when I give, I give out of your hand. You know, in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 6, Paul says, to those who are rich in the world, give it all away. No, that's not what he says. To those who are rich in the world, be generous in good deeds and give freely and don't set your heart on money. That's what he says. Why? It's a heart issue. Giving is a heart issue. It begins in the heart of God. It changes the heart of men and women. And it flows out of the hearts of men and women. Completely, radically transformed by the giving of Jesus. Some of you have a special gift. Romans 12:6. It goes through a big long list of gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your gifts, with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's giving, then give generously. Giving is a spiritual gift. If you have it, use it. I mean, just like that. Just that simple. If you have the spiritual gift of giving, use it. Say, God, here's my gift. What can I do? Who can I bless? What lost people might come into the kingdom if I give? What strays might be found and brought back and cleansed and redeemed? What broken people might be wounded? What weak people might be strengthened? Because you gave this to me and you gave me this gift of letting it go. Man, the kingdom goes forward like that. 
So that the answer to the question in giving, if the, if the, if the question is if, the answer is yes. And if the question is when, the answer is now. Because Jesus gave himself to us. Let's pray. The communion servers, could you come forward? We'll prepare for communion. God, we thank you that you are the giver of all good gifts. Lord, everything we have comes from you. And we see it and recognize it. Thank you, God, that as you ask us to give, we get to give with cheerful, non-grudging hearts. What we've determined in our hearts with you, Jesus the King. God, release your Holy Spirit among us. And I ask that you bring grace and freedom and joy in the midst of our giving as your sons and your daughters. And now, Jesus, as we remember the greatest gift, your very life given for us, your body broken, your blood spilled out, may we walk to the communion table this morning with gratitude. Overflows punctuated by grace because of what you've done for us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have given your life to following Jesus, then this is the gift of God for the people of God. Come forward when you're ready. Rising up again in me as I was listening to the message this morning. But about, gosh, how many years ago before we moved in this building? Um, so back in 2006, um, we were pregnant and um, we as a church were trans- transitioning into this building. And so the church had a need, a need to, to pay for this, business, for this building and be able to transition here. And um, so the church had expressed the need and, and had asked, you know, members of the church, you know, will you give? You know, will, will you rise to this occasion and, um, and give above and beyond your tithes and your offerings to make this vision happen? And so um, Eric and I happened to be on an anniversary trip and we were um, just enjoying breakfast. And I'm the one who does the personal finances in our house. So I said, okay, Eric, what's, what's our responsibility here? Um, what are you hearing from the Lord in terms of, in terms of giving um, more than what we're already giving? And I have to be honest and say it has been a blessing for Eric and I because we did grow up in homes where what Randy spoke about this morning was modeled for us as children. So in terms of giving and giving generously and giving um, cheerfully was something that, that was already a part of our daily life. But then when it came to above and beyond what we're already giving, well, then that gets a little more challenging and, and we needed to seek the Lord on it. And um, just like Randy encouraged us this morning to ask the Lord how much. And um, so um, we did, you know, at breakfast that morning, you know, we went to the Lord and we said, okay, how much? And again, me doing the personal finances, I, I said to Eric, I said, Eric, we're pregnant. You know, I'm about ready to go on maternity leave. I may not return to my job. So then that's going to be a loss of income. Eric had currently been working for a company and had now gone on his own. So started his own company. So we were in new territory in terms of what our monthly finances were going to look like. Um, and then on top of that, we had received the, the lovely opportunity of being audited 
by the IRS. And that just happened at random. It wasn't something that we had done wrong. It's just we had been, you know, wowed <laughs> with that lovely opportunity. So we were in the middle of an intense audit. And partially, probably what had flagged that was Eric leaving his business and, and going into a new business. And we had always paid our taxes. And so we didn't have anything to be worried about. But at the same time, we, we were concerned, well, maybe we messed up his taxes this year, you know, now that he's in a new situation. What if they come back and say we owe thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars? And so, again, me personally doing the finances, I just was anxious. And um, But, again, we took it to prayer. We went before the Lord and we said, Lord, how, how much? And the Lord gave us an actual number. And it wasn't even a rounded off number. It was just, it was a, just a bizarre number. And Eric said, this is how much? And I'm like, really? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, really? And I said, okay, all right. You know, we're, we're going to do that. So we went back to the church and we committed to that. And we gave that. Um, and this is not an Eric and Meredith story. This is a God story. And the only reason why I'm up here is to encourage the body. And to tell you this, that when the audit came back that year, the government owed us the money that we had committed to the church to the exact amount. And so I just want to encourage you tangibly that what Randy is saying is so true. God owns it all anyway. Anyway, he owns it all. And if you go before him with the right posture of heart, it's, we don't give to get back. We didn't commit to the church to get that back. We committed to the church because that's what God asks us to cheerfully do. But when you do that, you will be amazed. God is faithful. God is faithful. Um, ministry team, could you come now and, and kind of come over to this area? Um, if if you have needs, um, even, even if you're a place where it's like, I want to give, but I just don't know how. It seems so scary. Um, come on down. Have somebody agree with you here. If you have problems in your physical body, come on down. If uh, if you just need to come down and just, just be in the presence of God to get some business done, then, then uh, just come. You don't have to stand in, any front, in front of anybody for that. that just, that's just you and God. So for the rest of you, go and love to serve the Lord. Bless you. Amen.